Welcome to the Everything Podcast, the place for everything education. Whether you're a first-year teacher or a seasoned educator, our mission is to help you employ smart strategies in and out of the classroom. We firmly believe that teacher burnout isn't inevitable. Part inspiration and part implementation, we discuss the why and how to make your classroom effective and sustainable. We're your hosts, Danielle and Nicole. Welcome back to another episode of the Everything Podcast. Danielle, we're here talking about why start a teacher podcast. We have a lot to discuss today. It's such a meta episode. <laughs> it is, it is. And I actually was thinking about, based on the calendar and the fact that we did start our teacher podcast right as the school year was beginning, very reflective time for us as we come up on our third anniversary. Yeah, I... Can you believe it has been that long? I really cannot. I really cannot. And the fact that we do our best to consider the academic calendar as a, a, yeah. a good guide as far as what we know teachers are experiencing on their morning commute, which may look a little bit different this school year, but we, uh, we're back and we are doing our best to address what we know maybe some teachers are considering as their next point of entry when it comes to creating content. And we're really excited to talk about this topic today. Yeah, and I think that you mentioned it right away that we had purposefully and intentionally wanted to launch a podcast that mirrored the academic year in a lot of ways. And for those who are teacherpreneurs, I would carefully consider when I would want to, you know, take that first step into podcasting. I think getting as much done during the summer is great, but I don't know about you, but I certainly listen to fewer podcasts during the summer because I don't have that commute. And I think a lot of teachers are in that boat. So like you said, timing is everything. And I think that this is a great time to, you know, start something new. Absolutely. And starting something new, I think, is really the motto of a lot of teacher influencers out there, no matter what their audience size, just starting out and so on. And we know that maybe the traditional route of starting to blog or maybe creating a really curated Instagram feed isn't really your jam. And we're right there with you. We, we feel that. And we recognize that people, you know, putting your content out into the world looks a lot of different ways. And there's reason behind that and there's a lot of value to that. So during this time where we are so reflective of this new school year, the new setup that we have and all the ways that maybe we want to continue interacting with the online community that is, you know, teachers of the world, <laughs> this is a great way to, to consider maybe an alternative to what feels like kind of the norm. Yeah. And I think it is, no surprise that many of the speakers that we featured at both our first and second summits did have their own podcast geared towards other teachers. So I think that in terms of building that community, whether it's a following or just building a network of like-minded individuals, a podcast is a great place and a great resource to find those who want to put themselves out there in that particular way. I think that that really does come down to really determining the major why. Why consider this? If this is something that you've been thinking about, maybe you're big fans of other teacher influencers, podcasters, maybe those that aren't even related to the 
the teaching field, right? And you're just thinking about how much you admire all that you're able to learn from podcasts. I know before we started our podcast, Danielle, I mean, we're both, we were podcast fans then and we're podcast fans now. We really so much. And I think that that was another motivation to want to join this really great community. And so determining your major why I think is really the number one, because all of the questions, all the concerns, the questions about money and editing and all these things that of course go hand in hand with actually producing something. I think that when you really, just like any other big business move, right? You want to make sure that your intentions are set and they're for more or less the right reasons for you. So I think trying to really break down these whys can be a helpful way to um, just start to really have this pretty serious conversation with yourself because it is a commitment and we know firsthand that it can, it can be a little tough to, <laughs> to keep things going when it's end of marking period and you have deadlines and you have things going on, or maybe some of the reasons that you got into it in the first place don't exist a few months down the road when you're teaching virtually, right? So there are a lot of things to consider. And I think the first one that we want to outline here is, you know, just these kind of reflective questions to yourself. And the first one to maybe pose to yourself would be, what's your why? Is it to build community with a repeat touch point? Is that something that's interesting to you? So if you think about, as I mentioned from the start, wanting to join, you know, the teachers of Instagram community or the blog community, right? All these things, of course, communities like that exist everywhere. They have for a long time now, but creating that repeat touch point with people is huge. And if, if that's of interest to you, or that's something that excites you, that's a really great we- reason to get into the podcasting space. Yeah, because you might already have the ideas for some of the episodes because those are the things that you are super, super passionate about and you could talk about them all day. And maybe you have written extensive blog posts about it that no one seems to be finding. Um, So it might be that you want to take that message that you already have and just reformat it because it might not be that the message isn't landing. Maybe it's the media that you've chosen to deliver the message is not working out for whatever reason. I want to just put that in a little box somewhere and play it to myself over and over again because I think that's a message we need to keep telling ourselves. It's not that these things aren't sticking because they're not sticking because they're not worthwhile or because they're not valuable. They are. If this is if this is your craft, your passion, there's a reason that it is, right? And you have to think of the ways in which you're putting it out into the world. And we're all about wanting to recreate, repurpose the things that we know we do so well. And if you're listening to this, you're, you're likely a very highly motivated educator who is looking and seeking out all of these opportunities to continue learning. And if you're like that, you know that you know all of these other means of getting the same information out there, they're entirely possible. So if one thing doesn't quite land the first time, a pot, starting a podcast or putting your information into a podcast could be a really great way to introduce the same kind of information in a new way. I love that, Danielle, so much. And I think that it has a little bit of a kind of one of the benefits that we know from hosting a podcast that those who don't necessarily have a podcast might not realize is that especially if you aren't finding the way to make this message land in a impactful way in terms of numbers somewhere else, 
those podcast numbers are going to be for you. They are going to be internal at the beginning. And that I think is going to give you a little bit of space too. So that way, if you want to kind of leverage this in order to maybe pitch something bigger, you really want a platform to speak on this thing that you really, really love. And if somebody asks you about your website traffic or something like that, they're going to know, or the number of your Instagram followers, they're going to know that maybe it's not as large as they would have liked for a keynote speaker or whatever you want to be, but having that podcast, a, a secret hidden benefit that other podcasters might know is that that's not as public and that I think is really valuable at the beginning. Couldn't agree more. Something else that you might be considering listening to this is all the ways that we use social media in a, another means to connect and to build that community. And when you think about the interactions that you might have as organic as they might be on social media, when it comes to podcasting, being able to connect with educators, you're right in their ear. And when you pose questions, you read aloud listener questions, or maybe you even shout out someone, right? Being able to build that connection, that's highly personal, as personal as you make it, right? It's entirely up to you. But that kind of connection, in my opinion, is a lot more, um, I don't know, it's a lot stronger to me than it would be on a social media platform, for example. We've shared, and I know I've shared repeatedly, that podcasting is not something that comes naturally to me and is not something that is what I would deem my strong suit. I would much rather write all day, every day, and be behind a laptop, but I would not trade the relationships we have been able to build with some of the people we've had the opportunity to interview on our podcast. Like we sit down with these people um, often multiple times, and some of them have become our like online teacher buddies. Like truly, we like walk this journey with them and we know what's happening in their lives. We know if there's a big move or a big life event, like we wouldn't necessarily be able to meet them in person or just, you know, commenting on their, on Instagram or them doing that for us would not yield the same kind of connection where I feel like I, I can ask how their pets are doing. <laughs> It's so true. And in that connection, we've been able to make an introduction to their audience and likewise they've been in ours. And also it's brought about so many other opportunities that we didn't even see coming. It was almost like a, you know, an added bonus where we were so excited to have this individual on. And then all of a sudden we're invited to do something completely separate from podcasting a few months down the line, or there's another opportunity that we could have never imagined. And all of a sudden we have this great, really intimate connection. Like you can't, manufacturer on social media. Yeah. We built this and and now it goes to show when someone's, you know, calling on others for help or whatever that might look like, here we are, more or less top of mind. And the same thing happens on our end when it came time to start to to break down how we wanted to uh, go about the Total Teacher Summit this July, we had a lot of you know, many, many people that came to mind as our former podcast guests, um, as people we've interacted with via the podcast, friends of friends. I mean, yeah. to show it's a huge, huge networking opportunity. And when someone that we've built that relationship with through the podcast recommends someone else to be featured on our podcast or something like that, we take note and we listen and you bet that person is going to show up. 
and I don't necessarily think that it would work like that if you happen to get a DM from somebody that says, hey, I think my friend so-and-so might be a really good fit for, I don't know, writing for your website. It's, yes, couldn't agree more. And I think that another piece of this that many people are drawn to and can be intimidating, but it can also be really exciting is the idea that whatever topic you kind of base your podcast around, again, thinking about those that why, is really developing that authority on your topic. Um, the, the authority and the interest, the community, whatever it is that you're building on. Um, we've interacted with so many people who have made it their mission to dive deeper into whether it's their profession or it's an element of their profession that they know they're really great at or even want to explore more. And that's been, um, you know, kind of like the, the anchored topic there that they keep going back to. And it's allowed them, you know, it's opened up so many doors for them. And, and I think we can speak, you know, similarly about our own experience is once you start to identify yourself as being, I want to use this word expert lightly, because I think that that can also feel really scary. And of course, no one's truly an expert when we're all learning constantly. But I think that being able to build that kind of authority is a really great added element to this, especially as we're all looking to build our online profile, our resume, we're looking to build the presence that we have online. And yes, it can be done in every which way, however you decide to publish yourself. But I think podcasting provides that extra dimension and of course, being able to bring in other perspectives. There's just so much to it. I could talk about this topic alone for so long. (laughs) You're essentially able to kind of promote yourself to thought leader in a shorter time period than you would through other media, I think. And that can be really useful when you probably have a extensive background in that one thing that is going to be your particular niche, but you're the only one that knows it. And now it doesn't have to be that way. You, you no longer have to be the best kept secret about whatever that particular um, subject matter is, which I love. And next up on our list for that why is meeting the audience where they are. And we mean that kind of literally, in a sense. Yeah. <laughs> it comes time to consuming your content, however you choose to put that out, if it is in the form of a, of a podcast. And if you are a podcast fan yourself, you know that oftentimes you got that headphone in and you're washing dishes or yeah. you're pushing a <laughs> stroller or you're on your way to work and it's playing in the car, right? Mm-hmm one of the most convenient ways to continue learning, which is why I'll even put a podcast on at 1.5 speed so that I can just get the information faster because I just, I love to consume it. And I find that it just allows me, it just weaves itself into my day so much easier than a blog blog post, for example, or sitting down to watch a YouTube channel. I think that this is just a super, super convenient way to put out and to receive information, which I love. Yeah, and you're filling that need that maybe exists for a particular community, right? So you are the one who has this information about whatever your specialty is, and you're delivering it in a way that is the easiest for your listeners to, like you mentioned, build connection with, but also easiest for them to not have to make extra time for. They can get that great meaty content that you have to deliver without actually sitting down at their laptop, Google search, scroll through a bunch of things that they don't want. No, it takes out so many of those additional steps. 
And I think what goes kind of hand in hand with that in terms of how we receive this content, it's also when you think about how you as the future podcaster are creating this content, mm -hmm. it's one of the few forms of long form content that you're able to get out into the world. And you know, however long you decide that you'd like your podcast episode to be, or maybe even a series of episodes that you're doing and on a particular topic, yeah. it's a great way to continue with that conversation um, in, you know, not 350 characters, not in an Instagram yeah. uh, post, right? It's something that you really do. I think you've said it before, Danielle, you're taking the audience along for the ride and it, it provides yet another dimension to the topic in which you're, you're discussing, you're discovering. And there's a lot to be said for that. And I think it's kind of a lost art form in a lot of ways. Yeah. And that like deep dive, again, just underscores your authority on the subject. And a lot of people, like you mentioned, might not sit down and read your 3000 word manifesto on one particular aspect of your specialty. But if you put it in the form of a 35 minute long podcast episode, and that's exactly the time that is going to take for them to do that workout that they already had, you know, made time for in the day, everything just works out beautifully. And I think, you know, one piece that I, I know that I've had my own reservations about this and I've heard it from others as well is just like with any person who's getting started online in, in any regard, well, there's already kind of a lot of people who do that thing, right? So why am I any different? Why, why am I important enough to make, you know, why is anyone going to make room for me in their, you know, 30 minute commute or whatever that might look like. And I think once you're able to really determine, is there a true need for the niche or the topic in which you'd like to discuss, or I keep using this word topic, but it's much larger than that. The, the general um, theme in which you'd like to center your episodes around and uh, really doing your own work to decide, you know, is this something that you've heard from maybe the smaller community that you're a part of, or maybe even inside of your own school building? What do you feel that's really top of mind for a lot of people? And go out and ask these questions, right? That was a big part of what you and I did from the beginning was trying to understand, you know, teachers, they love professional development that works for them. We do our best to provide that. And we also provide what we'd like to think as being actionable steps to make that happen, which we know firsthand that that's a part that's often missing. So trying to kind of solve that puzzle for teachers was a huge reason why we wanted to make a podcast in the first place. And I think that, you know, we're evolving constantly trying to make it better, but I think that was kind of like the major piece that we really felt separated us. So if you're able to sit back and just kind of, you know, do that market research, right? Take the steps, ask the questions that you think would really help you to determine, is there a need for this? And even if your answer to this question isn't based on the listener, and it's not because you have future goals of becoming a teacher influencer in some way, having that personal reflection, maybe that is your why. Maybe it's because you want to document your experience and you want to make sure that looking back, even if nobody ever listens to this podcast, you can go through all of these steps again. Um, and we've actually had a uh, guest on our podcast who talked extensively about the way she used a different media. She used Instagram primarily to document her experience. This is one of our most listened to episodes to date. It was mm -hmm. 13 with Aliana Lowe, the title, How to Document a Teaching Journey and Why Every Educator Should. And we, strong, we stand behind that even years later because we know how important it is, especially for, you know, she considered herself to be 
um, a new teacher at the time, I think with only a year experience and now having moved past that, she's still documenting her experience and there's so much value to that. That's why she has such a large audience and continues to grow it because she sees the value in it. She encourages others to do the same thing. And by getting creative with the way that she documents, you know, she does a lot of really creative things on her Instagram that you should definitely go and check out to see. She's the young educator. But with that being said, we understand that you might not be able to answer the question of, well, why is my particular topic really needed? Or maybe I'm just mimicking what I know and love so much about others that are in this space. But if that's the real reason for you, if that's your true why, and we are wrapping up the why section here, we promise, <laughs> um, that I think really is enough, right? If your why is to document your experience and to, for posterity, right? Or to be able to reflect or to share with others and, you know, build a community in that way. I think that that's enough. Um, and, and that's, you know, satisfying in so many ways as well. Yeah, you're never going to be a first year teacher, you're never going to be a fifth year teacher, whatever that number is, you're never going to be that again. So having that moment that you could go back to, so that way maybe you have a friend or a colleague that is going through that later and you want to make sure you fully empathize. I think that it's a, a great just kind of resource for you to have, whether it's for your own personal reflection or to be used in these kind of outside the box type ways like mentorship or otherwise. Definitely. Never going to be that first year teacher again, grade change, level yeah. teacher, right? like all of these things where there's a lot of change happening in education right now, especially now. So to think about even framing it in that way, I think is a really beautiful message. Yeah. So now that we've identified so many whys, why we might consider all of these things, it's important to think about that mindset shift because we're not quite ready to answer the questions of how exactly we're going to publish this beautiful work into the world. But we will. So, <laughs> no, we'll get you there. Don't worry. But these mindset shifts are important, right? And not just the, you can do it, but it's really about trying to change the way that you might have perceived this medium into a way that really does feel like you can take the action steps because we know that you can, because we, at one time, one time or another, maybe one of us had a little bit more pushback than the other <laughs> that we were feeling. Maybe we, I don't know if we could do this. I'm the first to admit I was quite nervous to start a podcast and Danielle was really encouraging and I'm so glad that we did it because we've learned so much. We've met so many incredible people. Yeah. This goes on and on and we have so many great podcast guests to deliver to you this season. We have so much in store. So when it comes to this mindset, mindset shifts, the first pretty easy, but sometimes not so easy to follow is to just start, right? The beauty of this is that no one's actually going to be listening to your podcast. Very likely, very likely. <laughs> In the very beginning. So what's great about that is you might think, well, hey, I want to build an audience first. I want to be able to promote it. I want to do a, I want to do a countdown. I want to have this great promotion period, all of these things. But the fact of the matter is you're putting something out into the world that you've never created before, right? And there's risk to that. And there's this level of discomfort and all of that. Mm -hmm. And being able to give your, yourself the space to really listen to yourself back, right? Mm -hmm. And to see how it feels to go through the recording process and what it means to actually publish something. And oh my gosh, it didn't actually publish and what happened and all these things, right? <laughs> so all of these questions that you don't want to be answering or even asking when you do have these people, you know, who are, are waiting on, you know, bated breath that your episode's coming out in a couple of hours. So giving yourself that space and just that, um, 
you know, feeling of calm that all of this is almost a trial. And you know what? I think there's beauty to having imperfection in the beginning and keeping it there. Yeah, no, with, without a doubt. Oh man, there's so much of that that I think is worth kind of digging a little bit deeper into. The first is that it fuels high stakes to you and it probably couldn't be more of a low pressure situation because no one, nobody is in fact going to be listening to that very first episode, right? Um, and so while it is easy to fall into the trap of wanting that first like piece, that first episode, whatever you release, maybe it's a series of episodes that you release at the beginning, you want it to be absolutely perfect, it's not gonna be. It, it just won't. I mean, you could even hire professionals to help you out with it, and it's still not going to be exactly what you were envisioning. Or even if maybe, maybe you have secrets and know things that I still have yet to discover, but even if you were to do that and are so happy with it at first, I think that if you stick with podcasting for another year or two, you're going to look back at it and be like, mm, really? I released that? Even if you had thought that it was great. So giving yourself the, the grace and time to let it evolve because you know that it really isn't the high stakes situation that you feel that it is, I think is a great first step. And you kind of casually threw it in there, but setting up an expectation and some parameters, maybe say you're going to have a season of this podcast. So that way, if you put 10 episodes out into the world and you end up saying, yep, that's it. It's 10 episodes and that's what I've got. It doesn't feel like a failure. It's just another piece of what you have to offer. And I think getting comfortable with knowing that you will be uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I listened to something recently. Someone had referenced Joe Rogan's podcast and he admitted that he didn't feel totally confident until his 500th episode. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, I could understand why, but that's crazy. And when you do feel those, you know, uncertainties creeping in and you feel a little bit of that imposter syndrome and everything else. I do think that setting up your podcast for regular releases, even before you've sat down to record, is going to help keep you on track because it's going to feel overwhelming and you're going to want to put things off and you're going to want to make excuses. Um, another big time uh, podcaster who's not in the education space is Amy Porterfield. And although she has made it tremendously, she talks about how for the first, you know, bit of her podcasting career, she wasn't putting out content regularly and she was not seeing any traction. And clearly she has a ton to offer, but making sure that you take those first steps, I think is really important. One last piece of advice that might be a little controversial, but I think that looking back on it, we're, it took us a long time to have the episode introducing ourselves to the audience. We kind of just wanted to like jump right in and talk about what we thought we were here for, which is to talk about, you know, everything education. And I think that if we had really spent a lot of time trying to perfect our like bio episode at the beginning, it would have made things so much harder. I love that you said that. I think that that's a huge, huge roadblock for people, especially as you're trying to navigate that footwork. Like what am I doing here? 
or who am I serving? And you don't really know the answers to that question until you actually start serving people and providing that content, bringing that. I want to jump back to one point that you said about the consistency, because I think that that is something. And, you know, Joe Rogan, his 500th podcast, I mean, talk about consistency. Wild. <laughs> Wild. But I think that, you know, there's often a question of quality over quantity. And I think that in the podcasting game, if you will, yeah. it really is the marriage of both. You yeah. know, talk about the quality, the quality of the work, the sound, all of that stuff. But I think that it's also the quantity, right? Being able to build an audience is the ability to build trust, right? Yeah. And being consistent and having, you know, however you set that up, whatever your parameters are from the beginning, being able to follow through on that, I think is important. And, you know, don't go hundred miles an hour just to take a couple of weeks off because you feel burnt out. And I think that goes for a lot of different things that can be said for professions and so on, right? That really translates everywhere. But I think that, you know, wanting to build that trust is important. And, and the way that you do that is you set up the structure that people can anticipate what they, what they'll get from you. And I think that that really does go a long way, especially when you're trying to build your audience from something that didn't exist before. So really, really important. And our, our last mindset shift here is what's your why? And we identified many, many whys before, but with that definitely setting that intention. And I just, I want to reference what you said again, Danielle, because I feel like it's huge, not necessarily being able to define who you are and what you're, what am I doing here? Right. Why, why, why am I valuable enough to be here or what value am I providing? I can't really prove it yet. I don't have the evidence yet. And I think that that's not really what we mean when we say that. It's more being able to identify your intention. If your intention is to, you know, fill or to um, investigate on a topic that you're interested in or to bring together like-minded individuals or to be able to feature the experts to answer the questions that you can't, right? That, those are the intentions that I think will really lead to much more rich conversations rather than trying your best to defend why you're a great resource for people. Yeah, just flip the the way in which you're perceiving that situation, right? And if you're listening and you're like, okay, I, I think I do. I have that really valuable why. I even know it, like just listening along to this podcast. And you are buying into this idea of, okay, I can make these mindset shifts. I, it'll take some work, but I, I can do that. I can I can get there. You might still have some objections that are, I think, some of the most common ones that people, uh, that come up in people's minds when they think of podcasting. And I think the first one that always seems to jump to, to the forefront of everyone's mind is, I don't have the money to start a podcast um, because they think they need tons and tons of fancy equipment. Question is, do you have a phone? <laughs> <laughs> Like, because if you do, <laughs> and I guess you're listening, you must throw it. <laughs> right. And I guess the other question would be if you have a computer, because I think that might make the difference in terms of editing. But the fancy equipment, the sound studio, the, you know, massive headphones, all of those things are fine and well. And, you know, no hate, no shade to anybody who's doing that, putting money into that, because absolutely that elevates it all. But to create quality sound and Production does not take a lot of money. It does not take a lot of skill. Yeah. It does not take, uh, you know, an outside source to make it happen. 
It's all completely accessible right at your fingertips. There are plenty of free resources and the list goes on and on. We'll make sure to link a lot of them and we're going to touch on a couple of them, but just, you know, a word to the wise that the number of free tools that exists are endless and the ability to find a quiet space. Sometimes people will record in their car in order to find that quiet time, right? Had guests who have done that. You had guests do that. Yes. Recording in your closet, right? All of these things. And Listening to others as they share about their podcasting experience. I love that you brought up Amy Porterfield. We know that she does that well. Being able to kind of, you know, give us a, a peek into what her, you know, secrets are when it comes to podcasting. There are a number of other, a number of others who did this really well as well. And just being able to kind of get that glimpse into maybe the not so fabulous parts that got them there. It was I don't believe it was a podcaster. I think it was a YouTuber and she teaches people how to like best utilize YouTube for their brand. Uh, I think it was Trina Little who um, made a behind the scenes of what her home office setup that she films her YouTube videos in looks like. And it was priceless because she has a very Instagram looking like just enough of a box around her. And then all over her floor was a pile of clothes and towels to dampen the sound in the rest of the room. It was, it was so real and I loved it. Um, and if you're thinking to yourself, okay, so are you serious? I could just use my phone and start a podcast? Yes. When we were first looking into podcasting, uh, we we're researchers at heart. And so of course we looked into all, all of the things and we purchased the, um, blue snowball microphones and the whole thing that we used for a little while. And the sound quality was good. But when we realized that we could achieve great sound quality without it, those have become props, which you may have seen us use on Instagram. (laughs) That's right. That's right. It's not a requirement and it certainly should not be a limitation that you set for yourself that, oh, once I have all these tools, I'll be able to make it happen because we're here, we're here to tell you that right now we're both recording using Zoom and it's working out just fine. <laughs> just fine. <laughs> Another common limitation that we hear, and I have even had this thought myself, how do I continue to come up with content, ideas, titles, all of these things over and over again? And I feel like this translates to just being an online presence in general, being able to show up in all the different places. And oh my gosh, this one, luckily I have Danielle, my partner in crime, who is who is the innovator here, who really does come up with 1 million ideas at 2 a.m. Um, but one piece of advice that I heard from a blogger um, who's not related to the education space, Carly the Prepster, and uh, she talked about jotting down 50 ideas to start with 50 ideas for podcast episodes. And she's not a podcaster herself. She's a blogger. But the idea was that if you can start to just create kind of a running list of topics that you're just generally interested in, genuinely interested in, and you're able to get up to that number 50, then you have a pretty good direction ahead of you. But if you're stuck at 25 or you're stuck even lower, perhaps you want to think about maybe you have too, too narrow of an, of a view. Maybe you're just a little bit too narrow in the topic that you'd like to, to discover or learn more about. So I just like to see it in that way. You know, there are really no limitations when it comes to podcasting, which is another great thing in terms of what topics we can talk about. And of course you want to make sure that it's still, it's still in other words, related to your (laughs) common theme there, 
But I think, you know, being able to get creative with it is number one, but just be, just really being able to understand what your um, vision is, I think is helpful. And when it comes to actually creating those ideas again and again and again, kind of having that running list can be a helpful way to go back to the drawing board without actually going back to the drawing board. Yeah, I think that I really like that as a litmus test for is this podcast subject like a feasible podcast, right? Um, when you're several seasons in and you're thinking to yourself, oh man, is there anything new under the sun? Like everybody feels that way. And I hope that people know that, that they're not alone in, you know, sometimes feeling like there's, there's a little bit of wear and tear that's associated with that um, constant content production, like hamster wheel that we can be on. But if you're right at the very beginning and you can't come up with those, maybe you're right. Maybe you do need to, you know, switch things up a little bit. Um, as an English teacher uh, who deals with teaching students writing all the time, I will tell you that in terms of what I see most commonly is whenever somebody, and it's usually a student of mine, has their idea and they can't get to whatever is the kind of like goal. So if it's three pages or nine pages or whatever it might be, I tell them it's because they're not digging deep enough. They probably actually have eight subtopics within this one bigger topic and you need to really kind of break it down further. And that's only going to enhance your authority in the space if you're able to do that. I think that's great. And I'd love to shout out one of our podcast guests, our friends, our a fellow podcast host, Kelly Jackson, the Simply Organized Teacher. And you, yeah. you know, at the surface level, you think, okay, organization, right? That only goes kind of one dimension. But she does an incredible job of bringing in guests and having other conversations about how organization is not limited to the way that we set up our physical space and how it has, it comes down to classroom management, it comes down to leadership. It's all about the way that you navigate your daily life and your routines. She's really added so many dimensions. And I think that's exactly your point is that there are subtopics within the topic, within the subject area that she's teaching about. There's so much more to it. And being able to have that kind of investigative eye just in and of yourself, <laughs> being able yeah. to really identify what else is living there because there's a lot usually. Such a good example of how someone with a what seems to be super specific niche is still making this go on and live and thrive years down the road. And if you are really stuck, you're, you're set on your topic, you know like this is going to be the subject, but I just can't figure out how to pair it with all of these, you know, podcast episodes per se, a number of the people we've shouted out today aren't in the education space. Take a look at their podcast episode titles and how could you essentially adapt that for what you talk about? I bet if you take the structure of that title and then insert your topic, you are knowing that you're going to have a like tried and true format that makes sense. You have a title that's going to get clicks because somebody else has used it and it has worked. And it's still going to come off as completely and totally authentically you and about your area of genius because they are definitely not talking about the same thing you are. So it's fine to do that. Another great person that comes to mind, Tom Gibson, Gibson Education, who created his podcast. He wasn't interested in really having like a 
camera facing mic, you know, one person on the mic or even an interview style format. He wanted to do kind of like an NPR investigative journalism style format, which takes it's a masterpiece after it's done because it involves so many layers and music and and pulls from different you know points in time. Like it really is a work of art in a lot of ways. And it just goes to show that doesn't always have to look the same way either. And I think that being able to either replicate or even be able to draw from some of the podcasts and programs that you'd really admire, just like you said, I think is a really great place to start as well, because this interview format or this, you know, just talking to the mic isn't the limit, right? There's so yeah. much. Absolutely. Um, and I think we're at our last like major obstacle, right? I need to be in all the places so that people can find me. Of course, I, I need to start a podcast because everybody has a podcast and I need to have a blog and I need to have a huge following on Instagram and I need to, to all of it. Right. Right. And this is kind of a double-edged sword because we, we understand that there are tools out there that allow you to do just that where you can you can post to Instagram, Pinterest, and Twitter all with one fell swoop. And, and that might be fine, but we also understand that that doesn't always return the way that you think that it might. And there's not always so much value to that. People can kind of smell it when you're auto posting and the content looks like it really doesn't belong on that platform. So first of all, understanding that it's important and good to be selective, to yeah. be intentional about where you send your stuff. And we also understand that in building any kind of new presence, you want to be able to be in a lot of places at once. So if you are choosing to use a tool that puts you in a lot of places with that selection and being intentional, understand that when you're pushing out a lot of things into a lot of different spots, it's, it's up to you to determine if it actually looks and feels right. Because I think that to the naked eye, sometimes it's really obvious which things don't always look and feel right. So just trying to understand that there are kind of two schools of thought on that. Yeah. And I think that now that we've wrapped that up, we can talk about the how. If somebody's ready um, to jump into this podcasting world with us, there are a few different items that you want to consider. We'll go back to like social media and um, kind of promoting podcasts again at the end, but let's start with how do you record? <laughs> yeah. So our number one tool is Anchor. And with Anchor, we're able to download a free app on our mobile device, which allows for us to record and have just simply an audio recording that lives within this app. You can actually also edit the audio in the app as well. I don't have a lot of experience just personally using that. Um, and I use another outside source, which we'll touch on in a moment. And we'll talk about distribution in a second because distribution is its own separate topic and its own separate beast right um but if you were thinking about what is the fundamentally like easiest way to get started in terms of recording with anchor you really just need your phone which is nice it even says like it's not designed to be used with microphones or anything else the the idea is that you would be recording as if you're talking on your phone essentially which yeah. is really great um it does allow you to invite guests so that way you can record together if that is going to be the format of your show which is again really really useful full disclosure we've been using anchor for a long time and sometimes it can be a little finicky 
when you open the app. (laughs) Which is exactly why we are recording today's episode using Zoom, another free tool up to a certain time limit, which allows us to record audio and video at the same time. Words the wise, if you are interviewing someone else, you're having a conversation, it can be kind of a challenge to just go based off of someone's voice and any you know, visual cues, you're really not able to grasp. And Danielle and I have been guilty of interrupting each other just totally unintentionally, not knowing, oh, someone's pausing or swallowing. <laughs> we can't hear. And with that in mind, having a video element is kind of just a helpful tool just to allow you to really have more of a conversation. So we definitely encourage that. And we've been known to have our computer on the side with FaceTime running as we have ink on our phones. We've gotten pretty creative with it, but that's just another kind of element there that really allows us to have what feels like a more um, authentic, honest conversation. Yeah. And it might also make you feel more comfortable, especially at the beginning when podcasting is going to feel nerve wracking and you are going to be sweating every little detail and everything else. Um, if you're in a platform that you probably already have experience with because, you know, 2020, um, going back to Zoom as the way to record might be the, the way to go. Um, however, we do have another uh, suggestion for you if those two don't work for you or if maybe you just already subscribed to the service and that is StreamYard. Yes, we've had some really great experiences using StreamYard. We've used it during the Total Teacher Summit, and it was a great way for us to have a live panel. There is an option to invite a number of guests on as well, but for the purposes of having maybe just one or two people join you on a call, StreamYard is very similar to Zoom in the way that it infuses the video and the audio component. So being able to record exactly that is really the whole point, and it's just really, really easy to use. Yes, it, it's beautifully designed in its simplicity. And I think that if you plan to do live video, you plan to do Facebook Live and you plan to do, because um, that's what the technology is actually set up for. It's not set up to be a podcasting recording platform, but because you might be purchasing it anyway, it would be a great kind of way to get the most out of what you're paying for. And we had a number of speakers who agreed to do our live panels, who sung the praises of StreamYard because they had used that before, or it was their first time and they were a little bit nervous and they were like, that was the easiest thing ever. Awesome. Exactly, yeah. So definitely some other elements, excuse me, other added bonuses to this because having that live component is really helpful. And if you are looking to stream it on other platforms like YouTube, I know a lot of podcasters will do that as well. That's another you know, consideration. So now that we've had our platforms for recording down pat, and we will talk about kind of how to promote that and maybe a little bit more about where we can, you know, celebrate all that we've accomplished, right? Because we're going to get that podcast episode out there, podcast series out there. Oh, yes. Um, Oh yes. Let's talk about the distributions. But just to be clear, Anchor is the place that you can record and it will also host and therefore push out all of your content for you. And what I mean by that is Anchor is, I believe, under the umbrella of Spotify. And along with that, it has agreements with regular podcast platforms like you're probably familiar with, Google Play, Stitcher, iTunes, all of these. So by agreeing to host your podcast on Anchor, they will then distribute your podcast with no 
clicks from you on whatever basis you choose, which is again, another way to kind of have that helpful resource in your back pocket. You're not responsible for setting up the RSS feed every week in order to send it out. Right. Yeah. So if you are so new to podcasting that this already sounds a little bit more difficult. It already sounds like you're a little bit in over your head. Um, once you're done recording, you know, you can go, you can edit, do whatever, but how do you actually get that onto people's devices? That's what we're talking about. Right. Um, and there are a few different sites that specialize in distributing your podcast recording. So that way it takes out some of the legwork on your end, but most of those tools are a monthly subscription fee. Um, whereas Anchor does not have that, which is part of the reason why we use them in the first place. We didn't know, we didn't know what we wanted to um, do with this. We didn't know how long-term it was going to be, and we didn't have a background in podcasting. So we were looking for something simple and something free, and it has worked for us. And the amount of people that we've ended up introducing Anchor to has been great too, because it, it's a really easy to use tool as well. Yeah. So with that in mind, we have a number of other tools as well that some require a subscription or a monthly fee and others don't. We but have limits, which is the like catch. So if they do have a free plan, take a look at what it says is the kind of like parameters, right? Is it they will only let you post two episodes? Is it a um, certain time of recording length? Is it a certain quality of recording that you do have access to but don't have access to on some different plans? Things like that. And I think the one that most of the podcasters that we have interacted with who haven't used Anchor Use is probably Zencaster. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I believe that along with Anchor, I believe Zencaster allows you to edit as well. So an added bonus there. Um, I'm not familiar with that tool, although I know it's super popular. Um, yeah. Definitely worth looking into as well. You mentioned some of the other tools out there do have limitations and one that comes to mind that has some limitations as far as how much content you can produce and the minutes that are allowed within certain um, plot, excuse me, um, tiers of paid, yeah. um, options is Buzzsprout, which mm -hmm. is something that we had experience using, ended up finding Anchor as a great free alternative. And we've since really loved it and continued there. But Buzzsprout is another pretty user-friendly tool that, it, you know, it comes with some limitations as well. So just to be aware of that. And last but not least is Libsyn. And that's another one that is one of those typically paid uh, services. But again, if you're not finding something that seems to be a good fit for you for whatever reason, so you'll take a look at these. We'll put all of the links in the show notes so that way you can, you know, do your homework on what works best for you. And one consideration that you might want to kind of add to the criteria of who you'll use for distribution, recording, whatever it may be, um, if you plan on using sponsorships, if you plan on using Patreon, if you know you are absolutely opposed to using one of those things or having any sort of um, ad read or things like that, make sure you look at that in terms of um, your podcasting software. Great point. Great point. Because even if your mind isn't quite there yet, it's something to consider if you're in some kind of agreement down the line. So it's a great point. 
So now that our listeners are, they've shifted their mindset, they're ready to say yes, yep. their podcast season, they're just gearing up. They're so excited. They've already, you know, they've gone through a couple of the tools they are determining which resource is the best for them. Now it's time to actually promote the podcast. And of course, there's no limit to how you can do that. Social yep. media is your friend. There's a lot of ways to get the word out there. But one piece that I find does go a long way that I think um, continues to emphasize why people are so drawn to the audio space is being able to use something like Wave, W-A-V-V-E dot co. Mm -hmm. And it is a great way to share audio on social media. And it, I think, really emphasizes the fact that you are promoting a podcast, unlike you would maybe put a static image, right? So having a piece of the audio, you can pull part of the interview, maybe your intro. That's a great way to have that piece. People get familiar with your voice. They get excited about the guests that you have on. I think it's a fun way. We've gotten some nice feedback about that as well. Um, and of course, when it comes to actually sharing about your podcast, there's really, it's completely personal and up to you. And I think that that is one of the many beautiful things about this medium is that when it comes to actually sharing about it, it's entirely how you choose to marry it with all the other ways that you're showing up online. But the, the way in which you're presenting yourself and the information in your podcast is entirely personal. And I just think that that is one of the many beautiful things about it. Uh, you know, I think anybody listening to this is going to really be moved by how just positive everything you have to say is about podcasts is about podcasting, right? Um, the personal connection you're making with the listeners, with the other guests who are on your show, with how you format it, with how you um, promote it, all of these touches seem authentic and like you in a way that other media don't necessarily allow you to do. Um, but I really love the um, posts that use wave and i like that it's another way to promote maybe the same exact episode without it feeling stale right so you have the cover art you're going to use for your podcast you might have a cover art image for that particular episode and that'll live on the page that you're going to put your show notes on and whatever else and that will maybe create a nice pinnable image and you want to you know, use that on Instagram, but then the next day you could post a wave created um, post and that'll make things still feel new and fresh because the person who didn't read through the original one might look at this particular post and be the person that heads on over to check out your podcast. And an added bonus, we know how well videos convert on Instagram. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Great point. And if maybe you're thinking to yourself, okay, well, I'm not super like on Instagram. I don't know if this is most useful for me in terms of promotion. Maybe you actually get a good solid amount of traffic to your website. Make sure that the podcast is first and foremost 
on your website. I think a lot of the big podcasters have whatever their most recent episode is kind of like up at the top. So that way it's really convenient for the listener to, to click and listen. Um, and if you're Squarespace users, like we are, there's a convenient little block that you can use in order to do that. Um, for our friends who are WordPress website users, um, the big possible, Big podcaster, um, Pat Flynn of Smart Passive Income actually made his own tool <laughs> in order to help convert website viewers to podcast listeners, and that's called Fusebox, and we'll have a link to that too. A lot of value here. I, I personally feel a bit more excited about podcasting just having recorded this podcast. <laughs> podcast. <laughs> we should start a podcast. Really. Thanks, Danielle. This is great. And for those that are listening with even more questions, anything, please feel free to reach out. You know where to find us on Instagram, everything education and all the places, everything.com. We're here for you. And we really hope to see you in the podcasting world. Yeah. Make sure that when your first episode goes live, you send us a DM so we can check it out. Woohoo. If you'd like to learn more about us and the services that we offer, head to everything.com.